my comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, will let every breath in all that I am never cease to worship you. Shout to
One more time. Yes, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Amen. I want to welcome you to the service this morning. It's good to see everybody's smiling faces when it's a little dismal outside, but it's good to see everybody. I want to sing that song, It Is Well With My Soul. Amen. I'm so thankful that no matter what's going on, amen, with us personally or in the world around us, no matter what's going on, it's still well within our soul. Amen. Our flesh may not know it sometimes, but inside, amen, we know where we stand. Amen. When peace like a Thank you. 
that we can go back to, amen, and say, Lord, please forgive me, and that blood covers us still. I am so thankful for that, amen, amen. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glory, hallelujah, will my sin not depart but the
Aren't you thankful it's well this morning? With my soul. For it is well. Oh, it is well. With my soul. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 We're going to uh, take some prayer requests. Uh, Sister Becky, if you could just play something softly there. Um, I'm going to ask Mr. John Anthony. It's good to have him here to come up and open the service in a word of prayer and take these uh, prayer requests before the throne. We want to continue to remember the Smiths, uh, Brother Richard and uh, Sister Mary. Um, and I know Sister Mary, if you get a chance and just reach out to her and just give her a phone call or drop her a card. We know that she's faithful for everybody's birthday in here when it comes to uh, your birthday cards. Um, but just uh, if you could drop in touch with Sister Mary, I know that she would appreciate it. Uh, we want to remember... Uh, the Pascals, the Hughes, uh, Sister Karen. Um, we want to continue to remember uh, Sister Laura Collins in Edmonton. Um, she's a dear friend of my wife and I's. And uh, to see cancer uh, hitting a, uh, a young mother like that, uh, four kids, and uh, so young, you know, in her 30s. It's very tough. Uh, she's a believer, but we just want to remember Sister Laura, and uh, we want to remember Sister Rebecca Coffee, who's actually up there. Uh, Sister Laura's her cousin up there in Edmonton uh, helping. We want to continue to remember uh, Luke and Haley. I think they're coming back this next week or so, so they have uh, traveling mercies, so they're coming back. I want to ask you just to continue to remember uh, my wife in prayer. Um, the uh, surgery went fantastic on Thursday for her heart ablation. And uh, talking to the surgeon, he said, you know, there's less than 2% that she'll have this issue ever again. And she doesn't have to take medication anymore. So we just, we really thank the Lord for that. And... Uh, just ask you continue to remember her as she's recovering. If you have any unspoken prayer requests, if you could just make it known to the Lord this morning, Brother John. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord and see familiar faces here, so we're glad to be back. But uh, everyone's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we all come before you today, Lord. Humble ourselves before you, and we ask that you just see these needs that have been brought before you, Lord. And we know that you know each each situation and each person, and you see through ourselves, Lord, and see our hearts. And we ask that you just you touch every need, and we know that you're a healer. And there's not one thing that you can't touch, not even cancer. So we ask that you just reach out to each individual, Lord, and you touch their hearts, and you touch our hearts here, Lord, as we come to bow before you and hear your word. So we ask that you just uplift our spirits, yes, Lord, through the music and let us create an atmosphere that you can move through. 
Yes, yeah, just bless the minister, Lord, as he has prepared the word for us, and that we may be willing to receive it, Lord. Just bless the remainder of our day and our fellowship, Lord, and we trust you that you'll answer every need according to your will. We ask it all in your name. Amen. You can turn and greet those that are around you. We're going to ask Brother Jaron, uh, Brother Jaron Brown, if he could make his way up uh, to sing. It's good to have our visitors with us. It's good to have uh, Brother Dana and Sister uh, Jane uh, Barrett with us from up in uh, Michigan area. So God bless you. It's good to have them. God bless you all. I've had this song burning on my heart for a while. Wanted to sing it for some time. I'm sure you've heard it. It's just such a blessing to me, and I pray that this song will be a blessing to you. Amen. Just laughed at Jesus as he said she's only sleeping. But as he took her by the hand, she began to live again. Some began to praise the Lord, and some began to say. Like that little girl Dead in all my sins Till Jesus touched this heart of mine And gave me life again And I am just a house of clay But ever since that blessed day Oh, there's a light that shines in me For all the world to Oh, he's in the house Death has to be And now there's light Where darkness used to be There's no Oh, there's no more 
down Praise His name Praise His name He's in the house Sing it again Oh, and death has to if they would come at this time. And Sister Lily, if you could make your way up now, that would be great. I'm thankful he's in the house. Amen? Amen. Really enjoyed that, Brother Jaron. Brother Jeff, if you could ask a blessing on the offering.
Thank you, Sister Lily. That's solid rock. Where would we be without it? Amen. Amen. Let's sing uh, This Is Your House as uh, Brother Barry gets ready to come. You guys have done a fantastic job this morning singing. It sounds great. Let's make sure we put all that energy into pulling on the word this morning as well. Amen. Because that's really the reason why we came here. This is your house. This is your house. Father, come and dwell. This is your house. A holy house of prayer where the today, Lord. May you accomplish, Lord, I pray in our hearts what you will. Lord, be free to move among us. Forgive us of anything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Bring every, every contrary spirit, Lord, under your control, I pray. And Lord, as we submit ourselves to you, we just pray that you would just move us all out of the way, Lord, and speak to our hearts. 
pass by each place today, Lord, and minister to those that are sick and needy, Lord, as only you can today. We just want to say we love you, Lord, and we just have great expectation of what you're going to do among us today. Have your way, Lord, I pray thoroughly and completely among us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Musicians, hang on a sec here if you don't mind. We're going to sing just a little bit again this morning. And uh, we want to welcome all of you here uh, today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, it's certainly good to have all of you here today. Brother Joe, good to have you here. Uh, Brother Kathy, God bless you. Good to have you today all the way from Florida. Uh, appreciate you being here today and each and every one. Good to have the pews back and uh, everybody today. God bless you, visitors, friends, and uh, just just flat out everybody. Morgan, good to have you back on the front row there. God bless you. And uh, we're going to do a dedication this morning. So uh, we are glad to have uh, the Ann songs with us today. And uh, we're going to uh, dedicate them, dedicate their new little child, uh, William, to the Lord this morning. So let's sing uh, a little chorus. Yes, Jesus loves me. Let's sing that this morning. And we're going to read in Mark chapter 10 today. And uh, we'll ask the Ansongs if they want to come on up and bring the whole family. Uh, Sister Florence, you're welcome to come. Daniel, you're welcome to come. If somebody wants to take pictures, you're certainly welcome to come on up here, Daniel, if you want to take pictures. Sister Florence, you want to join in? <coughs> Jesus, cha- or, sorry. Jesus loves me, this I know, for, come on in here, come on in, good, tells me so, little ones, turn around here, good, good job, belong, he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Mark chapter 10, we read, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and he said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God, as a little child, shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and put his hands upon them, and blessed them. So, we are glad this morning to introduce a brother into this family. It's about time. <laughs> Three girls. You girls is going to have four mothers. And uh, we need to pray for this little guy. But uh, we know he'll have lots of tender, loving care, that's for sure. Uh, this is, so I want to introduce uh, William Ensong Kweku. Sorry, William Shalom Kweku Ensong Jr., and uh, William, as we know, is uh, the name for a resolute protector, somebody who is strong-willed. And uh, Shalom, 
obviously is uh, uh, the the word for peace, the name of peace. And so we're we're just have a word of prayer for little William, and just pray that he will fulfill those two great callings in his life to be a real warrior for the kingdom and also to be a man of peace. We also pray for you too, because you need all the patience and love and uh, determination in your hearts to raise a, such a wonderful young family with lots of energy. And uh, you ain't seen nothing yet, sister. <laughs> These guys grow old. They'll, they'll wear you out. But I will tell you, it's just such a joy and a blessing. And you have, you have <clears throat> the eye of God upon you because he gave you these children. He chose to put them with you two. And so you need to work together, pull together, pray together, stand together through all of your seasons so that you can raise these kids for the fear and admonition of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we join our hearts together now in prayer and we thank you, Lord, for life coming into the world and it's your way of saying that life goes on. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for little William this morning and pray that you would just make him a real warrior for the kingdom, a real man of God that would stand fearlessly for the truth. Father, I pray that you would just have your hand upon him and protect him. And Lord, may your angels encamp near him that that he may be uh, protected and watched over all the days of his life. And Lord, may he also, in the same breath, may he be a man of peace and a man who knows peace with God. And so we place him into your hands, Lord. And for Brother William and Sister Diamond, Lord, we ask your blessing upon them and the girls and Lord, may your peace and your presence be found in their household. Bless them, I pray. And Lord, may they stand for truth, and may they always live and love you with all of their hearts. And we commit them into your care now. And ask your blessing again upon little William. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, buddy. God bless you. You're going to need it. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, girls. God bless you, brother. Wonderful. God is good, isn't he? Thank you, musicians. We'll let you take your places there uh, today. I want to just announce a couple of things to you here this morning and uh, just share a couple of things that are... uh, Upcoming for us, some things that are happening. We have uh, on our calendar, March 12th is uh, Saturday evening. We're going to be doing a banquet for couples. Brother Jason Watkins is going to be with us for the evening and then uh, for Sunday as well. Our web, uh, web guy uh, is somewhere in the Indian Ocean. Uh, so we're going to do an electronic sign-up uh, eventually. We're going to have that on the, on the website. But for now... We're going to have a simple sheet in the library, so if you could let us know uh, if you'll be coming, if you're a couple. Uh, so if you're engaged, married, widowed, whatever, uh, all those folks are able to come, and uh, we will have that sign up there, and then eventually we'll open it up for folks. Uh, and if you know folks that are outside the church, you're certainly welcome to uh, invite them to come along as well. Couples, uh, anyone is welcome to come. As many as we can fit in our fellowship hall, we're going to have a special caterer come and, and take care of our dinner that evening. So uh, just want you to make sure you put down that date 
for us. Now, pleased to announce, finally, that uh, after all of our young people's work, we got our shipment to Guyana. And uh, it arrived there a little bit ago. Brother Mark's uncle called me from uh, Guyana there and invited us to come and uh, minister down there and was very, very thankful. He expressed his thanks for all the stuff that uh, was supplied. And over on the left-hand picture uh, is some of the stuff as they're unpacking the barrels. We, we put it all in boxes, shipped it to Baltimore. Brother Keith brought it up there. Uh, and then it was uh, transferred into these blue barrels behind, and then it goes on a ship and went to Guyana and uh, eventually made its way there. Once it got to Guyana, they were uh, parceling uh, the materials out uh, to other uh, nations. So on the right, Mark, uh, isn't that right? Uh, that's Venezuela. That's Venezuela. And a bunch of this stuff was uh, sent over to the believers over there. And so this is the region here. Uh, you can get a sense of the uh, Suriname and Guyana are over here on the right, and then Venezuela is the larger country up on top. And uh, there's lots and lots of believers that are spread out through that part of the world. And so we're very grateful uh, to be able to help. And I asked them what more we could do, and they said there's a great need for English books and Bibles. And I said, well, you've come to the right place. We'd be glad to do that. And I've got a crew of young people that are itching to work. Matter of fact, they're going to do two great things here coming up. Number one, they're going to help us do another shipment over to that part of the world. And then the second thing is they're all going to wear black and white and serve during the couple's uh, banquet. They don't have to cook, but they're going to serve. And they didn't know that, but now they do. I love pictures like this. This is in Venezuela, and uh, this is on one of the major rivers there, and this is how they transport stuff, right, Brother Mark? Uh, this is Brother Mark's home, home territory here. And uh, I love these uh, dugout canoes that they have here. And this is how they transport everything around that part of the world and uh, get it. And all the, all the believers were gathered uh, on the dock and waiting for the shipment that was coming and the brothers who were bringing it. Uh, <clears throat> that's real missionary work. And I just uh, I love, that, uh, love that kind of an image, you know, to see the believers there being blessed and uh, really appreciating what they receive. And then they went to church. And this is their church. And uh, that's just great. Make you homesick, wouldn't it, Brother Mark? Sure would. <clears throat> I have a group in, um, so thank you from all these believers here. Thank you for everything that was supplied. Uh, I also had a group today in central Malawi that wanted to say thank you as well. And uh, they received their new sermons today. And this is a little group that's way out uh, in the middle of central Malawi. And they uh, wanted to take this picture and send it along. And uh, thank you for the books that they've received over there. Uh, also as well, uh, some of the young people here helped me box up 14,000 prints that we printed here, shipped to Tanzania, and they arrived in Tanzania. Then they were driven from Tanzania to Malawi, and now they're taking these prints with uh, thousands of new uh, church age books and seals books. And I have a copy of the seals book that was just printed so they have uh, several thousand church age books in Portuguese and in English. And Seals book and church ages books that are going to Malawi with all of these pictures that, are, uh, that were printed here and sent to Tanzania, trucked to uh, Malawi, and now they're trucking them over to Mozambique. Now, Mozambique is a, a huge country, lots and lots of believers there, and extremely poor and have lived in war, in struggle, uh, over the last 60 years or so. So it's really been a troubled country and a troubled area. And so these brothers have caught wind 
that materials are coming, new books are coming, and they've been phoning and, and uh, contacting Brother uh, Precious, who's here on the right-hand side, and they're very anxious. As a matter of fact, they have organized themselves into a meeting, uh, minister's meeting. Many of them are going to come together in one town, and they're going to bring this truck from Malawi over to uh, Mozambique and begin the process of distributing over there. They are very, very excited uh, about the possibility of having new materials there. And uh, this is another group in central Malawi, and they're showing their Bibles. You see two different colors uh, Bibles in this picture, and they are some English, and there are some in uh, Chichewa. And uh, so depending on, on the languages that they speak, uh, they will receive a Bible in their own language. And these people are very, very thankful. And so they asked, could they have their pictures shown to thank you for uh, what they have received? This is also going to be on the way tomorrow over to Malawi. And uh, these are the S- micro SD cards that we, uh, we produce here. And uh, they go over to uh, countries uh, like Malawi. And we're doing two files for Zimbabwe. And uh, they go, this is where all the sermons are. On this little card here, this is a carrier that goes in a USB uh, in a USB holder in your computer or in your phone. But you can take this and put it in your phone. And this contains 1,147 sermons. And it also contains the Bible. And so they have all of that. And voice files, do they have voice? Jeremy, do they have other voice files? On, voice files as well as print files on there. So this little bag represents 357,864 sermons. Not bad. $5 a piece. That's pretty good. Because anyone who has a phone, at least, or a computer, or access to a USB port can plug those in. They have everything there, all in their language and all there. And so, Sister M, we thank you for your work and help getting the bride in Malawi into into the rapture. We appreciate that. And uh, uh, M does all of this uh, work basically by herself and um, gets all that done. And so we're in the process now doing uh, Zimbabwe. And uh, when you have thousands of people in churches, in one church over there, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's almost insurmountable, the, the amount of numbers that we're talking about. Uh, getting those over there, but we're starting and uh, to help uh, in Malawi, or sorry, in Zimbabwe and get those uh, SD cards over there. So it's just, to me, it's exciting because uh, this is how you find the last seed. All right, last picture I'm going to show you. <clears throat> I have, um, I received a communication this morning from Lucas and Haley, and I said, if you don't mind, send us a picture that we can show to the church and let them know that you're still alive and all of that. And so they said, okay, here's one. I thought that was pretty good. I said, really? <laughs> I said, I would like to go to the airport when you get home and land back on planet Earth. Because it's going to be quite a shock for you when you come back here. So they're having a, a, a wonderful time, and um, they're not thinking about you at all. They're, <laughs> they're not worried about you at all. They're, they're just having a great time. So may God bless them. Let's stand to our feet. Let's look in the scripture this morning, and we want to go to Zechariah chapter 14. How many of you are ready for church? Just a wonderful atmosphere, and I appreciate that. And uh, 
I'm laying a little groundwork in these couple of uh, services first here because there's a couple of things that we want to get into that I think are going to be really important for us. And uh, we want to take this little reading this morning here from Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah is a really critical, important book. It contains lots of things that were pertinent back in the day it was written, but also as well in the time that we find ourselves, because Zechariah prophesied about the end of the Gentile dispensation and the coming back of Israel uh, into their time. And so a lot of this is relevant to the end time. Before we read this morning, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to read your word and, Lord, to have you come and interpret it and quicken it to our hearts. We ask now that you would bless these efforts, Lord, that are going on to bring the message to the bride all over the world. And we ask, Lord, that you would just take complete control now of our assembly. Lord, take my voice and my mind and my thoughts now and just speak to the hearts of your people, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Verse 1, Behold, a day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. So this is the day of the Lord. This is the end of time. Verse uh, 5, or sorry, verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove from the north and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach into Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord thy God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And may the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. Now, I'm not going to be long this morning, but I'm going to be graphic. And I'm going to show you some stuff here that uh, most of you had never seen before. But we're talking about this subject on warfare. And warfare um, is, is a little easier to understand in the natural sense. And if we put it in this context here, because we're living in a really crucial time, where we could very well be on the lip of a major global fight, a global war. And uh, one thing is for sure is that uh, we don't know really what will happen uh, when one major superpower goes at it with another major superpower in our day. Uh, we've seen world wars back in days before they had the uh, kind of cyber warfare that they're promising now and uh, all the other uh, strategic advantages that these countries have that we don't know anything about. And so it's a uh, certainly a, um, a time you know, to soberly look at this whole picture and realize that this is exactly what the Bible said would happen in the last day. This is one of those aerial photographs that they use from satellites where they, or the high-flying planes, which uh, I saw one time in Korea, uh, where they examine troop movements and uh, structures uh, these are all, if you, uh, I don't have my laser here, but 
in the lower left-hand side, these are encampments. Russians are building field hospitals in this picture. Uh, these are trucks carrying supplies, ammunition, uh, all the things that they would need in order to sustain an army in a uh, ground assault. And uh, so this is, uh, these are the evidence pictures that uh, commanders use in order to study the movements of troops and where they are and how ready they are uh, for the war. Uh, this is, uh, I, I thought some of these pictures were absolutely incredible, uh, of uh, Ukrainian soldiers in the trenches there in the time of winter in Ukraine, and uh, been there many, many times in this area, and uh, uh, let me tell you, it it's, it's, uh, must be a daunting thing for the uh, for the Ukrainian people there to explain to uh, you know just to deal with this, and just to put this in perspective here, I need you to look at this map here uh, because over on the left there's a drawing of Ukraine in the little part there, and uh, again I don't have my pointer, but uh, Ukraine is 28 times smaller than the body of Russia, and so just in manpower alone, the overwhelming force that Russia has. Uh, in order to deal with a country like Ukraine. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the country of Ukraine was actually the birthplace of Russia and the former Soviet Union. That's where it all started. And so the Russians look at Ukraine as their country, their terrain. And uh, it, it's really quite an interesting geopolitical uh, issue that's going on. Now, if you look at the map, just very briefly, and I don't want to belabor this, but that's the outline of the uh, nation of, of Ukraine, or uh, part of that is actually annexed by Russia now, but uh, this, is, this is the boundary for Ukraine. And then you notice all the NATO uh, countries that are all surrounding the country of Ukraine. So this makes it uh, very important for Russia uh, to stabilize its border, but also for NATO to stabilize its border, and that's the uh, context for the struggle. So it would be very interesting to see uh, what happens here. But uh, in, uh, in a place like Ukraine... Uh, they have not near the capacity to be able to deal with warfare like Russia would. And so this makes it a very great challenge for America to gauge their involvement in this struggle. But it, it's a very real thing. Now, when it comes to warfare, um, you've got to be sure if you're in a situation like this, and by God's grace, we're not in a situation like this where they're practicing and they're putting... Uh, you know, armaments in place around the country and they're uh, practicing here because they're going to have to defend their homeland. It is an important thing for you not to live in denial. I mean, if I can see these pictures, uh, you can imagine what it's like over in Ukraine. But I'll tell you what it's like over in Ukraine. The prime minister there, uh, the president, sorry, of Ukraine, uh, two and a half years ago, he was a comedian. He was a professional comedian. And because he had such popularity among the people, he won the election. And I doubt very much whether he bargained for this kind of a struggle. So he's been downplaying the struggle in the country. And this was a quotation in the Wall Street Journal from a young man who was a uh, coffee shop owner. And he never knew that there was even a struggle going on until his parents came into the shop and ordered coffee. And they started talking to him about what was, what was going on, what was being uh, done in the country and how, how, you know, prepare, how much they were preparing for all-out war in Ukraine. He never knew. And he said, my way to protect myself is not to watch the news. 
You know what? That guy's in for a rude awakening. Whether he likes it or not, he's in for a rude awakening because it's gonna, something's gonna happen one way or the other. And, uh, he's probably gonna be pretty shocked at, uh, at what actually does happen. Now we really don't know, uh, what will take place here. Uh, Brother Jonathan Mayle gave me a, a link to a, a, a speech or a presentation that was given, uh, in one of our universities here in the States, which was outlining some of the history, uh, of, of Ukraine and Russia. It was very, very interesting. And I'll, if you want the link, I'll, I'll post that link, uh, so you can listen to it. And it's historical and talks about, you know, why this struggle even exists here. But today, in our world, uh, you know, conflicts, especially when you involve superpowers, uh, they have a lot of reach. They'll affect lots of people in lots of countries. And it is not just a, an isolated thing where you have two nations going at it. This is more going to be more of a broader context in terms of a struggle. And whenever you know that there's a struggle that's going on, it's, in, it's important for you to prepare. And not just to put your head in a hole in the ground and, you know, just ignore that it's around you. It is around you. And those people in Ukraine had better be prepared. What's interesting is that when you look at natural warfare and you realize that there are signs that a struggle is imminent, it's equally important for us in the spiritual to understand that we're heading also towards a conflict, a great conflict in our world. I believe that God's going to snatch the bride away before it really goes all out. But I believe we're heading into a time of conflict. Now, in the time of conflict, uh, the enemy is moving, right? And he's trying to disrupt everything he possibly can in order to intimidate his opponent in every way possible. But somebody who has the vantage point, somebody who has the view, somebody who knows what's going on, is able to prepare his troops, his side, for inevitably what's coming, right? Somebody has the know, they have the knowledge, they are aware of what's coming. They're able to inform their troops and let them know, hey, listen, don't worry, uh, we've got you covered here and this is going to happen and we've got this provided here and uh, you know you don't need to worry about this, but if I were you, I'd be concerned about that. I think it's great when, you, when you're on the side of the, uh, 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 in the battle and you're on the side where somebody knows exactly what the future is and what the future holds. Aren't you glad? I mean, you'd be glad if you were on the, the right side of this conflict, right? I mean, it's not really much different than the children of Israel going through the Red, uh, going through the Red Sea. Uh, they were under a promise given by a prophet, Abraham, that your seed will sojourn in a land and then God will deliver you out and bring you uh, in, back into this promised land again. So even though they looked at the sea and they looked at Pharaoh's army, they had a promise that said, we're going to make it to the other side somehow, some way. God's promise to get us over on the other side. Would you say amen? So they were under a promise. And being under a promise is a great thing because uh, somebody's looking out for you. Even if uh, you're standing there looking at a great big army or looking at a great big obstacle, someone's watching over you. Somebody cares about you. And somebody's already got your back. They've already got your destiny. They've got got a, a path forward for you. And I think that's a great thing. And I believe, saints of God, that in our time, in the struggles that we find, and when you stand back and look at this, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a, on a bigger scale, and you look, you look at the, uh, the picture of where we are in our world, 
there's no point in you just putting your head in the hole and ignoring that there are uh, forces around you that would, that would, if they could, they would destroy you and they would sift you like wheat and they would break down every church or they would uh, disrupt every believer's progress. If Satan could do that, he would do that. But somebody's got your back and somebody knows what your destiny is and somebody knows exactly where the bride's got to be and where they got to go and how to get through whatever obstacle fa- faces us and, and is going to get us on the other side. I believe that we serve a God who is capable of doing that on our behalf. And so therefore, we, uh, we're, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We are certainly conscious of the fact that he has changed our world in a very dramatic way, very quickly. And uh, it, it, is, it behooves us, uh, as, if, as if you haven't heard this before, it behooves us to be ready for that time when God decides, all right, we're going to shut it down and we're going to take the bride off the earth and let's go and uh, off to the wedding supper you go. Every one of us need to be ready for that. And I don't know how more clear or succinctly I could say this, but if you're not ready, if you've never given your heart to Christ and you're not on his side, today is a great day for you to make that decision. It is a great day for you to submit your life to Christ and not just assume because you're in this church that you're okay. You're not okay just because you're here. You're okay only when you're in Christ. Only when you're baptized into the body and you're a member of the uh, bride of Christ. That's your place of safety. No matter where you are in the world, that's your place of safety. And so therefore, it behooves us to say it and say it over again uh, because it's an important thing for us to consider. And everybody said. So let's look at a couple of things that Brother Branham said in preparation for us uh, being ready for this hour. Let me reach back a little bit to what we talked about on Wednesday night. And Brother Branham said, now this message points out the evils of this evil age. And it is fitting to prophesy for this evil age. Satan obviously is not going to like this if his tactics are uncovered. He's obviously not going to like this if his ways are pointed out. If his, if his methods or his trickery is uh, shown to the other side, he's obviously not going to like this very much. And so therefore, when he knows he's coming down to the end, he's going to fight against the bride of Christ and, and against Christ in every possible way. Because uh, this is a time when uh, the, the veil is pulled off. This is a time when things are made known. This is a time when the light shines on everything that's being done in the world. And before this is over, we'll see the real you and the real me. Before this is over. Because this is what the light does. And it's my belief that the Bible has every answer for every age already written in the Bible for the believer of that age. That includes us, doesn't it? The Bible has every answer for every age that would have to include us already written in the Bible for the believer of that age. And I believe that everything that we have need of is written right here and it just needs to be interpreted by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit interprets his word by bringing it to pass. I said the Holy Spirit interprets his word by bringing it to pass. And so we have everything that we have need of for this hour. Now, the scripture that we read in Zechariah there says that uh, there will be a a, a day of light that comes. It will be uh, a special kind of a light because the world, as we know, it gropes in darkness, doesn't it? The world is covered with a gross darkness and a thick darkness that people can't even recognize they're under a veil of darkness. And that's what the the scripture says would happen in the last day. But also at that day, at the same time, concurrently, there is gross darkness and there is great light. But watch where that light is. Brother Branham, in the unveiling of God, he says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, and he's quoting Zechariah here. See here, here we are, the light over the word. 
The light of the last day is over the word. So the light is going to be illuminating the word. Why is that significant? I'll tell you why, based on our last slide. is because the Bible has every answer for every age already written in it. So in order for you to have the answers to survive in our time, you're going to need to have light to be able to see the word for your day. Are you getting, are you understanding? I mean, that's pretty basic. As the light of the sun changes the seed from glory to glory, we also become more like him as we live in his presence, like him, being conformed to his blessed image as we walk with him. And so therefore the light is not going to be shining uh, you know, necessarily over, uh, you know, a pot of gold in your life. Uh, it might not even be shining over the, uh, the boy or girl that you're meant to marry, but it'll be shining over the word. And God wants you to use the word for your guide, not your feelings for your guide. He wants you to be using the word and the light over the word for your guide in this last day, especially in this last day, because it is so tricky. All right, and so this is what we brought out on Wednesday night, that uh, Satan has a, he has a method, he has a methodology in terms of uh, how he progresses. So Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles are tricks that Satan plays. I've seen some uh, uh, magicians and trick, tricksters in my day, and uh, you know, it's just amazing how how uh, slick they are. I mean, it's just amazing how they can do things with their hands. And, you know, you're, they're able to distract you. And very often that's how good trickery is done because they're doing something over here, like they'll pull out the, uh, you know, the napkin or something else. And, and uh, they're doing something else with their other hand. But your eye is drawn to this over here. And it's all a part of the method of tricking the audience. Now, Satan's a master at this. And so when Paul says that you need to be able to stand against the wiles or that methodia of, of, of Satan, it is the cunning craftiness and trickery that Satan brings to the table. We find this in Ephesians 4 as well, that Paul says that uh, in relation to the ministry, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. One thing about Satan is that he's not, uh, not always in a hurry. He's very patient. He's very patient. Let me tell you, our economic situation that we find ourselves in the world is pretty desperate. And the economic situation that we find ourselves in in America is pretty desperate. We never got there quickly. We got there over time. And Satan knew how to change things back in the 60s and the 50s and all the way back. He knew how to change things so that we would get to where we are today. And uh, he is one who has a method. He has a plan. He has, uh, he has the ability to, you know, uh, manipulate nations and leaders and uh, peoples within those nations to do certain things. And if you don't believe that, say this after me, Hitler or Mussolini and all the other world leaders that have come and gone over time. And they were inspired to do certain things, but not by the Holy Spirit. Can you agree? All right, so Satan's methods now, and here's one of them. And today I want to give you examples of uh, this whole idea of spiritual warfare. So follow me as we look at some of these examples here. In Psalms 104, David writes this. And here's an example of the trickery of Satan. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who covers thyself with light as a garment, that's true, and who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. And verse 4, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers of flaming fire. 
So the ministers of God are like a flaming fire. Those are ministering spirits that come and minister to the people of God, right? Now watch this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes this. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Wow. So everybody's walking around like holier than thou. Everybody's pretending to be a minister. And everybody feel, everybody's saying the same thing. I'm right. I'm right. I've got the answer. I've got the solution. You're sitting there saying, wow, we've got to... We've got to figure out who's right and what's actually true. And thank God for the light on the word in the last day. Because you can take what I say or what anybody else says back to the word. Because that's the one thing we can see in the last day. Isn't that right? Does that make sense? So now, Brother Branham says, he says, now I perceive, he's in a prayer line here. The manifestation of the spirit is a service. And it's 1951. He's in the prayer line. He says, I perceive that you believe him also. It's a welcome spirit. You're a believer and you're suffering with a heart trouble. You may go home now. You're going to be well. And I never prayed for the first two people, he said. Their faith healed them before they even got here. Now you say, well, Brother Branham, how do you feel that? Or how do you know that? How can you be so sure? And he said, while I'm talking, I get, a, I get real weak. And I know that the Lord has healed them. And now there's something out in the audience pulling the same way. And he said, it's a kindred spirit, because spirits are kindred. Just like you've heard, birds of a feather flock together. They go together. And demon power and demonology works the same manner. You say, well, how do you know there is another world? How do you know there's a spirit world where, I mean, Brother Bram's talking about what's happening in another dimension that you can't see, Right? Because he knows they're healed, and he's feeling this weakness, and he knows it's the presence of God. He knows what's happening. He knows exactly where that, uh, where that presence is. And he's like, how do you know? Well, you remember back in the days of, uh, in, in, the, in the book of First Kings there, where Elijah, Elisha and Gehazi are there in the town. You remember that? And, uh, you know, they're looking around at all the angels that are, or sorry, all the soldiers that are uh, there to capture Elisha. Remember the story? And Elijah kind of kicks back and he says, hey, don't you worry, buddy. There's more of us than there are of them. And he prayed that God would open his open eyes and let him see. And all across the horizon, there was all kinds of chariots of angels and all kinds of beings that were there. But they were in another dimension. And God allowed him just to see in that dimension uh, just for a moment of time and be able to see that truly there are more with us than there are of them. And Elijah says, hey, bring them on. God's watching over me. I tell you what, saints of God, uh, we'd, get a, we'd get a different response here this morning if God would allow you just to see beyond the veil and see the level of spiritual warfare and power that's arrayed on behalf of God's people. Let me tell you, you're not here because you're smart enough to get here, and you're not, you're not, uh, you haven't survived all these churches and ministers and problems and things over all your life. You're not here because you're smarter and uh, brighter and more spiritual than somebody else. Let me tell you, you've got a God and His angels that are watching over you to bring you to where you are today. And I believe that we will be brought right to the change of our body by the supernatural hand of God and be taken across on the other side. But these spirits congregate. These spirits go together. There is a really uh, fine pastor that I know. And this fine pastor you know. 
been at this church many times. You know him very well. And uh, he took over a church years ago uh, that was um, uh, left without a pastor because the pastor got involved with a woman in his church and committed adultery. Tried to keep it under wraps. And uh, uh, eventually he was found out and kicked out of the church and left and so forth. And uh, this brother, who I know and you know, uh, came to this church and took over the congregation, was voted in, and began uh, to do a great work. Only a you know a handful of people, but began to do a great work and and did uh, you know it was very sincere in the way that he approached it. And I, he talked to me many times about it, and uh, very sincere and very methodical in the way that he ministered to the people and so forth. And he said, as I stayed with the, this is what he told me. He said, as I stayed with the word, and he said, not in any particular direction, but as I stayed with the word and ministered to them, he said, I found out, man, he said, after so many months, he said, this, this fellow left the church, and this family left the church, another family left the church. He said, I couldn't figure out what was happening. And he said, then I found out that all of these families that left in that little season, they also were committing adultery. And they all found a haven there because the pastor essentially had short-circuited the convicting power of the Holy Spirit by his own conduct. And so these, these spirits had a place to hide under that pastor in the church. He said, I was left with three or four families in the church. And he said, oh, you talk about rock bottom. I said, but let me ask you this. I said, are the services better? He said, way better. Because all those spirits that flocked together and found refuge in one another, now all of a sudden we're gone. Don't tell me it doesn't. There's not a spiritual realm. Don't tell me that there isn't. So, the scripture says that when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, and that word unclean there, it means foul. If you're looking at the bottom of the screen here, and in a ceremonial sense, or in, in other words, could you take this person with this unclean spirit into the presence of God in the Old Testament? Even if he was a high priest, could you take him in? Well, no, because he's unclean in thought and life. So this unclean spirit that Jesus is referring to, whenever it comes around, it's going to defile the thought life and then the actual life of that person. Because you can't hide it forever. Right? And remember what I said on Wednesday night. The outward manifestation of anything is a result of something that happens on the inside before it gets expressed on the outside. So the real and the natural and the visible are a reflection of the supernatural and the invisible that's going on on the inside. Does that make sense? So you are what you think. Jesus said... Out of the heart proceedeth lies and all the other things that come out of a man's heart. Because that's where it begins, right? So if the unclean spirit is in a man, and when it's gone out and cast out, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Folks, we all had to put ourselves here, right? We all had to put ourselves here at one point. At one point, we all had to put ourselves here. And then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. So if if, if the first spirit is already unclean in thought and life, 
than his seven buddies who come, who are worse than the first. They enter in and dwell there. The last state of that man is going to be worse than the first. Even so shall it also, it be also unto this wicked generation. So think about the, let's think about it globally here. Think about the generation that we live in. If the spirits that are manifested here in our time are seven times worse than in other ages, I'm thankful that we have angels camped around about us. I am. Because I'll tell you what, we wouldn't have any young people here if it wasn't for God's protection. They struggle enough as it is. They struggle enough coming to church twice a week and doing all the other silly things that we do as a as a church. Can you imagine if we didn't have the protection of the Almighty here, how bad this is actually getting in them? Hey, listen, uh, go, to, go to the emergency rooms and, and listen to people tell their story, their narrative about what, what's going on in their lives when they come in there and the, and the drugs they use and the, and the situations they come out of. Talk to some of our people here who work in daycare and have them tell you what the kids tell them at three and four years old. Sister Ashley here will tell you, and other people here who work in, the, in that realm. I mean, it would make the hair stand up on the back of your neck to listen to what kids at three and four years old know. And the way they talk to their leaders and people who are responsible, it's unbelievable. It's, it's just unbelievable. Talk to people in law enforcement who have to listen and go into situations that, they, uh, that they're called upon uh, these days. I mean... Listen, folks, it isn't getting better. It's getting worse. And it's just for the grace of God that you're able to sit here this morning and have your family around you and have everybody dressed decent and, uh, you know, to be able to sit here in peace and be able to enjoy the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, that's not just by accident. That's by the grace of God that he's allowed us to happen. And Jesus said, this is because, this is because unclean spirits get cast out and the Holy Spirit comes in and resides there. And I will tell you something. Your, your new birth is not just about coming to an altar and getting baptized in water. The Holy Spirit's got to come and live in that person and dwell in that person and be the strong man in that house. Absolutely has to. So the general command, as we said on Wednesday night, is to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then specifically to put on the whole armor of God. So this is the dress code of the bride of Christ. That you may be be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we should not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, these are, these are uh, in the spiritual realm, and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. So in review, spiritual warfare is that which is never neutral. Spirits are always driving you or pushing you or drawing you somewhere. And they're always trying to take you to some destination. And that is all about their origin, where they're from. Whether they're angels of light or whether they're angels of darkness, they're going to be, try to be pulling you one way or the other. And Brother Branham said there's only two types. He said there's only faith or doubt, one or the other. There's not, uh, you know, uh, multitudes of different uh, armies here. There's only two. And this is what the struggle actually is. Spirits will make you feel good, but only temporarily, because Satan will destroy you over time. They'll take you deeper, deeper in the valleys, which are darker and darker. They'll take you to places you never thought you'd go. They'll take you to places you never thought you'd go faster than what you would bargain for. It's absolutely amazing how messed up people can, can be. And you can never satisfy a wrong spirit by feeding that spirit. The Bible says hell and destruction are never full. 
And so the eyes of a man are never satisfied. So you'll never, you'll never come to the place where you've had enough of the bad or the dark or the evil side of things. You'll never come to that place. Because the depravity in man is bottomless until he winds up in that pit. All right. So now let's get graphic. All right. That's just a little bit of review. In, and Noah did not in 1965. This is a Wednesday night sermon. If you haven't heard this sermon, this is really a, a great sermon. Brother Branham comes and he said, I forgot my notes, I left them home. And he says, oh, so I'm just going to turn in, in the uh, book of Revelation chapter 3. And he reads out here that, uh, you know, because thou art lukewarm and uh, knoweth it not, you know, he says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And he takes a text there. He prophesies some really interesting things in this sermon. Really interesting things. This is where he talks about the days will come when people will see those imaginary birds in their, in their mind with wings, he said, a couple of miles wide and all the other things, he said, the spooky things that will come in, in the minds of men afterwards. And he says this will all eventually show up and it'll all be there just like what they watch now on the programs and all the things that are out there and moving towards a, even a more despicable, uh, kind of a form of quote entertainment. So he says, in this service, and it would be worth for you taking a look at it, let me prophesy. The whole world is groping in insanity and will get worse and worse until they be a bunch of maniacs. Can you imagine a young woman and a bloom of womanhood, well-built, shaped, profile, face, the very thing of her being pretty shows that we're at the end time. She has all went uh, altogether to worldly feature and worldly things, not the beauty of holiness and the sweetness in her soul. Now, he explains as to why this, this is. So hang out, just stay with me here. He said, I've seen women on the outside of them, wasn't nothing to look at. But you speak to them a few minutes and they're real genuine, something you can't get away from. He said, the beauty of the outside is of the devil. It's of the world. Now, i got to stop and i got to qualify this, and I'd like to take more time on this, but I'll just say this much to you. It's not a sin for a girl to be pretty. It's, it's, I mean, there's a whole lot of things about you that you can't change because you're born that way. You follow after the, ge- the, you know, the genome of your mother and father, right? And you never got a vote in that. Uh, that's why... I think that God never gave me girls because they, they have a portion of looking like me. And my father always told me, he said, you were born ugly and took a back set. You know, so I, if I had daughters, it would be a tragedy. I mean, they'd be, it would be a tragedy. So we decided to have boys in our, in our household. It's not a sin to be pretty. The sin part, and you've got you to gotta make sure you understand this. You girls grab, grab a hold of this. Brother Branham says when we give in to the spirit of beauty that causes us to attract the other sex, that's where the sin comes in. In other words, if I'm flaunting my beauty and using my beauty and my physique and everything else to attract men, then you know what? A wrong spirit is operating on me. And he says, 
this, he says, living in this end time, he said, that's going to accelerate. And he said, what they should really be wanting to promote, what they really want to develop, is not how can I be prettier, and how can I be more beautiful, and how can I dress in a more uh, seductive way, or, you know, a way that gets me, you know, I won't get me kicked out of church, but I'll be really, uh, really, uh, you know, sleek looking, or whatever, and I'm just trying to use the right words here, but I think you understand what I mean. But my whole idea is to attract a guy. My whole motive is to attract a guy. We're better off putting our energy into having the right kind of holiness and sweetness in our soul. Because most girls today are attractive just because most girls are attractive in our time. And there's a reason for that. So therefore, we had to remember that this stuff here is on a level that's not a spiritual level. It's on a very natural level. And how girls conduct themselves and how they look and dress and so forth, especially if they're flirty and they're trying to attract a guy, all they will wind up doing is light up a guy's senses. Because that's how a guy's made. He's made to be very visual. And he's attracted by uh, that kind of a look or that kind of an act by a girl. If, unless that guy's born again... And he, I mean, he's carrying a Bible here, but that only means that he's got enough strength to carry a Bible, right? If he's really born again, he's got a spirit in there that is greater than that spirit that's in that world. And he's got senses that have not changed at all, right? Because his body is not born again, right? So therefore, Brother Bantam said, none of those senses will declare God. And he put them in five, put him in five senses to contact his earthly home and not to contact God with. These senses don't declare God. They declare the earthly home where the man had to contact his earthly home. And if you look over on the right side over here in that spirit column, those things all happen in the mind, right? They happen in the area where you reason things. Everybody with me? Who has access to that part of you but Satan? God has access to it too, right? Don't think that Satan alone has access to your mind, but he does have access to your mind, right? Remember in the greatest battle ever fought, and Brother Branham said that, you know, God allowed, you know, the man to have a, or God to have a battlefield and, the, and Satan to have a battlefield, and the battlefield or the area of domain for Satan is in the mind. So this is where Satan will really get in there and Try to make you, try to bring unclean spirits in there that will cause you to think and live in an unclean way. You don't need to say amen at this point, but I, I want you to listen to me very carefully. So unless the Holy Spirit comes into this man's life, he is subject to the senses of the Spirit which do not declare or contact God at all. Because this guy can go into a meeting and he can be right there, look like a believer, have a haircut like a believer, no tattoos, he might, you know, dress really good, have a green Bible like that, and he can stand on his feet and shake his shaky finger at the preacher and say amen like everybody else is doing around him. But I will tell you something, that unless that man is filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what he's doing? He's contacting the enthusiasm around him and going out and living like a devil. 
trying to live right. That's a whole lot different when the, when the Holy Spirit comes in and takes over that person's life and now he, he fulfills the commandment in that young man's life. That's a different story altogether. <clears throat> Brother Branham says it this way. You've heard this statement many times. He said, here he is in 65, he said the woman uh, that was, uh, woman was the one that was changed over for the perversion. Women were affected because of the prophecies of the last day, he said, for the perversion. And see where the beauty takes her to. Today we find that women on the increase of beauty. Take Pearl Brine. Ever see her picture? Supposed to be America's great beauty. Now I need you to do this for me, okay? Listen to me. Take it from me. Don't look up her story. But back in the 1800s, and she died before Brother Branham was born, she was considered to be America's sweetheart. She was the beauty of that day. And she was killed and so forth. And her name became a, a very uh, common name back in that day. And So that's why Brother Brandon mentions her in several different uh, sermons. And he says, you've heard the story. Don't go look up the story. Don't bother. He says, ever seen her picture? Supposed to be America's great beauty. And there isn't a school kid out of any school but what would have her in a back row. Do you know the Bible speaks that that's the way it's going to be? So what was it that caused the fall in the very beginning? But the woman? Notice the first line. The woman was the one that was changed over for the perversion because in the last day it was going to be a woman's world. And he said the end is going to wind up the same way. Women coming into authority, ruling over men. And the day she puts on men's clothes and bobs her hair, all those things are contrary to God's word. And he said, you know, she represents the church. And when the spirit of that gets in the church, then the church is going to have problems. Right? So don't tell me that Satan doesn't plan, that Satan doesn't have tricks up his sleeve, that Satan doesn't methodically work here and get women out of their place systematically. Not all, not over one weekend, not because of one president, but Satan has a method. He has a plan, and he works along in his way. Everybody okay? Stay with me now. Now, in Romans chapter 16, Paul write, writes these words. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. The word avoid them, it means this, that you're going to cut a wide path around that person. You're not going to hang around with them at all. So, in other words, if Joe here was a problem, uh, you know, he... He tells people that he's the best ping pong player in the church and he, you know, he gets a fat head and he says all kinds of things about the pastor and all that. And uh, that's just, I'm just joking here. But if Joe turns sour and he caused problems in the church, the idea here that Paul is saying is that we're going to do what we can to restore that brother, if we can, because the scripture tells us that. You that are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, if it's possible. We're going to try to do that. But you know what? When divisions and offenses come into church where this, this person is responsible for that, if I'm going to go out of the church, if I'm going to leave here, I'm going to go out this way. And I'm not talking literally about leaving the church, but I'm talking about as far as having fellowship with that person, I'm going to cut a wide path around him. Because I'd rather not be around that influence. 
it isn't Joel the man. It's the spirit that's causing him to do certain things. Okay, that's what Paul is telling us here. That that fellow's got a spirit working on him that's causing division. And you know what? Division is not a product of the Holy Spirit. Offenses are not a product of the Holy Spirit. And when you see... uh, Can I explain it this way? Is it all right? You don't even know what I'm going to explain, but you're, you're with me. When John, listen for a second. When John the Baptist baptized, he baptized people for one thing, which was repentance, right? When Jesus showed up, he did not baptize Jesus for repentance because he had nothing to repent for. Jesus was literally a sacrifice, right? He was there as a, an offering for sin. He was there to be the mediator between God and man, to shed his own blood, right? So therefore, in a sense, he was baptized or he was washed as a sacrifice because who he was at essence, he lived all of his life in fulfillment of that commission as a mediator, as a sacrifice for sin. If the Spirit of Christ is in you, if the Spirit of Christ is in me then, the Spirit of a mediator would also show up in me. The spirit of someone who is willing to sacrifice would show up in me. Wouldn't that be true? Because that's who Jesus was. That's, that's, when, when John saw him, he said, Behold, he said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, the sin question could be settled because uh, he's here. And every fiber of John's being knew that that was him, the Messiah who had come. John absolutely knew that. And here is the mediator. Here's the Messiah. Here's the one who's going to take care of the sin problem. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die to condemn you. He died to reconcile you back to God. So he had the spirit of a reconciler. He had the spirit of a mediator. Would you say amen? This is not, this is not new folks are strange. There are lots of occasions for anger in our lives. I've seen people here in this assembly very angry. Anger is not always a bad thing because God is often angry, right? He's not envious, but God is often angry. And Paul even tells us to be angry, but sin not. You have to know what to do with your anger. And let me tell you when you're doing the right thing. Let me show you when you're doing the right thing. When you have a spirit of anger about you, and you're seeking to see that person suffer, when you seek to see that person hurt, excluded, or wounded, you've got the spirit of anger that comes from down here. But when you have this, when you have the, the kind of anger in your heart, where you feel like God have mercy on that person, and let's pray for that family. Let's pray for that individual, because you know what? This is something that if it angers me, it probably angers the Holy Spirit. And you know what we need to do? We need to pray for that family. We need, come on, we need to pray for that person. We need to pray that that situation would resolve itself. When you have that kind of an anger that leads you to mediatorship, you've got this kind that comes from above. There are two kinds. One that comes from Satan and one that comes from the Holy Spirit. And there are things that happen in your life that are going to make you upset. There are things that are going to, uh, you know, drive you to distraction. But I will tell you, you're the, when, you're, when, you've, when you're making the right response, then you have a, an attitude of mercy, and you have an attitude of intercession, you have an attitude of mediatorship, and you have an attitude of, 
reconciliation somehow. Lord, even if I can't change the situation, Lord, have mercy on that family. You're going to have to work it out. I give it to you. I present it to you. And when you're doing that, you're doing exactly what Jesus did when he went to the cross. But when you say, I hope they rot, you know where? And I hope their kids never make it. And I'll do whatever I can to tear them down. You don't have the spirit of anger that comes from above. Can I go a little further? Now, Paul says, mark them which cause division and offenses. The word offenses is is the interesting word. Watch. It's the movable stick or trigger on a trap. So hunters call this a trap stick. It is the thing that holds up the cage a little bit, you know, and when the animal runs in, uh, it'll, it'll kick that stick out and uh, the trap will come down and the animal, animal will be trapped. Offenses are the trap stick. My uh, grandson, William, he's a trapper by, by nature. Um, and he's, he has two sets of traps at home, at my house because his mother and father are smart enough to not let him bring him home. So they're at my house. And he uh, set up the traps this week. He's caught the same possum about five times now. Uh, he comes out because, you know, it's good eating. Uh, William puts syrup, breakfast cereal out there, uh, food from the house, peanut butter. And so naturally the possum comes around all the time. It's the same one. And when he, when he uh, uh, trips the trap, he'll be in there and... You know, when you come up to a possum in the cage, he'll like, like, raise his hand like that. As he's trying to be really mean and like a monster, you know. And possums are stupid. They're not, they're not like that. They're not mean. So I said, well, just open up the trap door. Don't worry about it. Just open up the trap door and prop it open with a stick. And eventually he'll go. Will comes back at lunchtime. Still there. Comes back at suppertime. Still there. Still in the trap. Door's wide open. Still in the trap. I said, you know what he's doing? He's waiting for the next free meal. That's what he's waiting for. Why should he leave here? I mean, there's no peanut butter in the woods. The trap stick is the key. It's it's what makes the difference here. Now watch what the definition also says. Any impediment placed in the way and causing somebody to stumble or fall. That's an offense. Now what does Paul say to do about people who cause offenses in the church? We're going to give them the wide berth. Not going to hang around with that person. Unless they repent and make things right, I'm going to give them a wide, wide berth. I'm not going to hang around him. If I, if I have an opportunity to, to try to correct something, I'll go to him and do that. But you know what? I'm going to avoid him because I don't want to get drawn into this. I don't want to be a party to have somebody stumble or fall. I don't want to be a party to have somebody uh, leave the church because they think nobody loves them. So I'm not going to buddy up with him. I'm not going to say, oh, wow, here, here's Joe here. Do you mind if I sit down right here? Yeah. Not going to do it. Because these spirits are real. You didn't think I'd do that, did you? should ask Josh Godwin what I did one time. Now watch what he says. All right, watch what he says. Sorry. Let me go back to this definition. Figuratively, this applied to Jesus, whose person and career were so contrary to the expectation of the Jews 
that they rejected him and by their obstinacy made shipwreck of their own salvation. So the Jews actually tried to find places to trap Jesus. Isn't that right? They came to him to argue with him and ask him trick questions. And they were, well, how about this? John the Baptist, was he of God or was he not of God and so forth? And they were always trying to create this. They had the spirit of offense about them because they were always trying to trap him. Aha! Now we got you. They lived for that. That's what they tried to do. And they rejected him. And by rejecting him, they made shipwreck of their own salvation. They excluded themselves from the grace that came with knowing Christ. And any person or thing, any person or thing by which one is entrapped or drawn into the error of sin. Let's go back to the scriptures just for a moment here. I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. And avoid them. So we're not going to like them on social media. You know what we're going to do? We're going to make a wide path, but we're going to remember him in prayer because he needs help. And I don't want to fall into that trap, and I don't want him to stay in that rut. I pray that God will deliver him from it. You understand what I'm saying? So it isn't right for me to stand over here and pick up rocks and throw at him or to get on social media and say all kinds of things about him. He's wearing a pink shirt. That's all right. I got a pink tie. That's why I said that. What's the better thing for me to do about him? If he's causing problems in the church and he's got an attitude and so forth, no, I can't correct it. What's the best thing for me to do? The best thing for me to do is say, Lord, I come to church early, Lord, move on the pastor's heart to say something that will really stir in his heart and all of our hearts because we all want to be right. We don't want to see anybody lose it. We don't want to see anybody not make it. We want to see everyone make it. And, Lord, if, we, uh, if all of our young people need to come to a place of repentance, and, Lord, have the pastor say something that will bring us all to that place. Because you know what? None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. Can I go a little further? Is that all right? Let's look at an example here of offenses, the tricks of Satan. You can read this in Proverbs chapter 7. It's very plain. Sorry for the plainness here. For at the window of my house, Solomon writes, I looked through my casement, and behold, among the simple ones, I discerned the youths, among the youths, a young man void of understanding, passing through the streets near her corner, and he went the way to her house. He didn't cut a wide path here. He went to the, the way of his house. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. This is down down verse 18. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning and let us solace ourselves with loves. It's very graphic here. For the goodman of the house is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. And with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Instead of cutting her a wide path, he goes by her house. Every time he goes home, he goes by her house. If I'm going to drive through the bank, I'm going to drive through that bank because I know that girl works at that bank and I'm going to go through there. He's not avoiding her. He's kind of you know, leaning that way. And what happens is this. 
Brother Lonnie Jenkins did these drawings here years ago. But now, she's, by the power of her words, she's involved in seducing this fellow. And all of a sudden, he's got thoughts. Thoughts that are not appropriate. And without the strong man living in your house, without the strong man living in that temple, you know what? We've got the unclean that takes residence there. And as a result of that, there are spirits that all of a sudden are hiding behind these veils that are empowering him, making him feel like nobody will know. You say, Brother Barry, it's kind of juvenile. All right, here you go. This is demonology, 1953. All right, hold on, hold a a thought. Brother Bram said, I'm writing a book. I don't know whether you'd be able to read it or not on demonology and my personal contact with demons. They're just as real as you're real. I've seen some of them like bats, long hair hanging on their legs, epileptic demon like a tortoise with round legs. Whenever you get into this subject of spiritual warfare, there's always an interruption here, so... Don't worry. Don't worry, everybody. But usually a demon of oppression seems to be more of a cloud form like a wave. So some spirits look like this, some spirits look like that. And he said, usually a demon of oppression seems more like a cloud. And it makes a real funny sound when you're in that other dimension to see the spirit. Do you believe Brother Bram's right? Believe he's a prophet? He's got access to a dimension you and I don't see. Because we don't see that when we got a church full of people that are all dressed right, sitting right. Nobody's hitting one another and... Everybody's acting good. Now, you may think that's wrong, but some of these days you'll realize, and the greatest devil, the chief of all the devils, is unbelief. Where is this spirit going to take this guy? Only one place. Because that's what spirits do. They're always trying to drive you somewhere. Let's go back again. Just take a look at what happens. It begins innocently like this. And all of a sudden, he's got seeds or thoughts planted from where? From her words. She's convincing him, hey, the boss is gone. He took a sack of money and he's gone to the casino. You know what? He's not going to be around for a while. So it's just me living here. And all of a sudden now, he's got the wrong thoughts working on on, in his own mind. And he's going to begin, with a little more emphasis, he's going to begin to act on those thoughts. And it's all designed to take him where he shouldn't go. Brother Branham said, it's what's in behind there. Well, that fellow, you know, he used to be a a drunkard. I don't care what he used to be. What is behind there, that's what counts. The skin blinds people. So we look at, we can look at somebody and say, oh, wow, he's just a sweet girl or, you know, he's just a real guy, real, real nice guy. But you know what? It's what's behind there that really matters. Now, let me just say this, and I'm not saying that we should be suspect of everybody, but I'm just saying this, that if you fellows that are here, except David, except David, want to get married, you better begin now to look beyond the veil at just the pretty outside part, because that'll fool you faster than anything. That'll fool you. And you think, wow, what a sweet girl's dress is really nice. Always wears a dress. <laughs> Big deal. You better look for something more than just the outward look. Because her words will drag you places you might not want to go. 
And girls the same way. You girls that are here, uh, you know, you, you want to be looking for a guy who has character, somebody who loves the Lord, whether he's in church or whether he's not. Because it's the outside part that fools people. When Jesus came along, he was anathema to a lot of people because he went up to the religious guys who were recognized as religious guys in the community and said things like this. He said, outside, you look, you look this way. Outside, he says, you may clean the outside of the cup and the planter, but within, you're full of extortion and excess. I mean, people must have looked at Jesus and wondered, wow, what is he seeing that we don't see? Aren't you glad you got a light on the Bible in the last day? Now, Brother Branham said a rose. He said, it's pretty. And it's there to be looked at. Not an evil thing because it's pretty. And that's just like the church. It's there to be looked at like a pretty woman. She's there to be looked at to her husband. She's all right. Everybody okay with that? In other words, she's not, if a girl is pretty, she's not the flaunted to everybody, but, you know, she's going to reserve that for her, her husband in an appropriate way and so forth. He said, but if she hasn't got, listen, if she hasn't got the moral sword sticking out there to protect her, she becomes trouble to society and human beings. Gets so low and scandalous and rotten till the dogs wouldn't even look at her. Now, come on. Let's be honest. A girl can present herself, or a guy can present themselves very quickly to the world out there. To the whole world. By putting their pictures in the right places. Can't they? I mean, this is not something veiled in the closet anymore when you have one-third of the global population who have Facebook. One-third of the global population. So Brother Branham says, without a moral sword, which reminds me of Ephesians 6, which is the dress code of the bride, that we have the sword of the Spirit in our hand, a girl, a woman, has got to be careful that they keep that sword at the ready because the wrong spirit is ready to get in there, if possible, and try to cause destruction that should never happen. And the same thing to the church of the living God. They strip their women. People don't realize that these devils are invading their homes. I'll tell you what. We, as the bride of Christ, we also need to keep our sword handy and ready because spirits, unclean spirits, will try to inhabit whatever way they possibly can to disrupt what? The unity and grieve the presence of Almighty God And remember what I said at the beginning. Real transformation takes place in the presence of God. And so we have, every one of us, male, female, young and old, we have a responsibility to not let the wrong spirit in that contradicts the presence of the Holy Spirit because without his presence, we don't get transformed. And if you don't get transformed, we're not going anywhere. This is on all of us. Satan is the one who features that kind of beauty. Also, to show that Cain was his son, he offered a more beautiful worship, decorated his altars with fruits and flowers and so forth. Looking at that, it was beautiful. Sin is beautiful. Whatever we call beauty today, sin is deceiving by beauty. And you'd never look at a woman going down the street, uh, he says, and tell what's in her heart. But I wanted to say these things so that you could see why Satan is her designer. Through Hollywood and media and all the rest of it, he becomes her designer. In other words, he says, he raises the standard. He raises the bar and says, this is what's appropriate. To be super skinny. 
and to have certain features and all the other things that are this kind of a dress, this kind of a hairstyle, this kind of a, a way of looking. I went by a store the other day. I was with Will, the possum hunter, and we were, we were going by a store the other day, and it said something 365. I don't know what the uh, letters were, but it was something 365. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, it's the funny name of a store. And I looked at the, the thing on the top, and it said permanent makeup. So that's why it was 365, that when they applied this makeup to you, in whatever way, I mean, you would have had to use contact cement or something, but they made up these women, and they would remain that way. They would be like that, I guess, forever. I thought to myself, maybe I should go in. No, I didn't say that, really. But you understand the message in the marketing. The message is, you don't have to be that way. You can be this way. And you can look really done up and really glamorous. So all the time. Let's look at how it works. Brother Branham describes this, I mean, in, in different uh, stories that he tells. And how that, you know, things will look a certain way on the outside. Here's what he says. When a man rejects the leading of the Holy Spirit, stay with me. You know what God did for Saul. He gave him an evil spirit to lead him. When Saul rejected God's way, he got an evil spirit to lead him. And when a man rejects the leading of the Holy Spirit, or any person rejects the leading of the Holy Spirit, you got a devil on you to lead you. Now, I would say this. If you're being led by Satan, I just assume you found another church. Because I'd rather... I'd rather minister to a handful of people who were led by the Holy Spirit. He said, that's exactly the Bible. If a man is led by the Spirit of God, God will make himself known to that person. He gives a peace that passes understanding. God promised to. So in doing that, we know that the Holy Spirit leads the people of God and takes care of it. If, if we know that that's, if that's the Spirit of God. How do we know it's the Spirit of God? Because it lines up with the Bible, right? And the one thing we can see in the darkness of our world is the Bible, because that's what the light is for in the last day, to show, show the Word of God. Come on, somebody say, don't, don't leave me now for a moment. I'm not going to be long. But just to say this, that the thing that we have clarity on, the thing that we can see clearly is the Bible. Should we pay our tithes? Well, I can see that in the Bible. Should we live holy? I can see that in the Bible. Should we forgive one another? Yeah, I can see that in the Bible. Should we show mercy to one another? Yeah, I can find that in the Bible. Should we go to church? Yeah, I find that in the Bible. Does God send prophets? Yep, find that in the Bible. Are we living at the great and dreadful day of the Lord? Yeah, find that in the Bible too. There's lots of things I can see because that's where the light is shining. I may not know what tomorrow holds in the world. I may not know what Mr. Putin's going to do because the light is not shining on his thought process for me. But I do know what the Bible says. Should we be afraid of the future? No, I I know who holds the future. As the Bible clearly tells us that, right? So thank God for that. In other words, we can tell who's leading us. We can tell, you know, who's the one that's in control here. We can tell, uh, you know, the one who's going to take care of it. Satan will lie to you and say, I'll take care of it. Don't you worry, you just follow me. Go to the 365 store and get the makeup put on. You watch the boys flock after you. I'll take care of it. And that's what he does. You don't want to be buddies with somebody who is under that leadership. You want to be buddies with somebody who loves the Lord. <clears throat> you want to be with somebody with, 
they might be not as flashy as a 365 girl, but let me tell you, you want to hang around with somebody who has the right kind of a nature and spirit and attitude towards the people of God. That's what you want to be around. So, whenever Satan works, he works in very often subtle ways and throws a nice-looking veil over the top of it. Brother Bram describes spirits like this frog here. If you look at the, the tail of that frog, it's got a, a stinger like a scorpion there because that's what it's intended to do. And once that opportunity comes, that spirit will try to infiltrate. Where? In the area where Satan's been given domain, which is the mind. Because that's where your greatest battles are fought. Is right there. And Brother Bram says, now be reverent, because when evil spirits are leaving these people, they'll, they're loose in the building. And if you come up in a few days showing some kind of a sickness, remember it's not my fault, you're supposed to do as I told you here. Every spirit in the building is subject right now. And demons, as soon as they come out, they'll find some place to go. Remember, they went into hogs one time. So be reverent. He said, these feelings... He said, I feel them. He said, they're still pressing and moving in the building like that. And all at once they're closed, they're gone. And I don't care where they, he says, I don't know where they went. I don't know. But if you're an unbeliever and you're disobedient, then you're very much receptacle to them. You're very much receptive to the wrong spirit when you begin thinking the wrong way. Many people are vulnerable to the wrong spirit when they become hurt. Many people become vulnerable to things when, when things go wrong. Because in the times when things and everything's going right, you know what? I'm going to put my armor on. And, and we, we have a, uh, it's almost like a natural joy and a feeling of confidence that we have. But when you get down and you start looking in the mirror and you're pretty disgruntled with how you look and somebody says something or you try on a new outfit and send it out and you only got two likes. Two likes! I must be really ugly. Because old Ruthie over here put on an outfit and she sent it out and she got 47. Don't tell me it doesn't affect girls. It, it, affects, it affects young people a lot. You've got to be careful that you don't leave yourself vulnerable or as a receptive receptacle to wrong spirits when they move. Now, Brother Bram's describing this in a meeting where he's casting out spirits, and now all of a sudden they're loose, and they're looking for a habitation. That's a bit of a different story. But let me tell you, our world is filled with wrong spirits that are looking for a place to hang out. They'll cause you to fall. The last thing in the world we want to do is be vulnerable to that. You know what you need to do? You need to get up every day and say, Lord, put a hedge around about me and my family. Lord, protect me and my family. Because I, I want us all to make it. I want us all to be there. I, I want, Lord, put a hedge around about our church. Put a hedge around about your bride and the earth. Because in whatever way he can, Satan will try to disrupt he'll try to drag down he'll he'll try to inhabit whoever he can you ought to actively be doing that you ought to actively be making that a part of your prayer life and say lord i 
I don't want to be vulnerable to the wrong thing. Lord, make me be open to the right thing. And if my brother is in trouble or if there's a fault or something else, rather than let that become a root of bitterness, Lord, I present them to you in mercy. I bring them to the throne of grace and mercy because, Lord, that could be me. That could be me. And I pray for that person. And I, I, I want, Lord, the right things to be done in their life and for things to be made right. That's what I'm after, Lord. I think having that kind of an attitude to me would be something that the Holy Spirit would be pleased with. Because if I understand the chronology right, we're right at the end of things. We're right at the end time. And that's when he fights the hardest. So let me tell you what he wants to do in your life. He said, now that same word is just as alive tonight as the word, as the hour it was spoken. And the Holy Spirit, behind the word, puts it to action and demonstrates the power that I promised. The Holy Spirit wants to make that word work in your life. And every blessing that God promised, everything that he said can be brought to life if the Holy Spirit is behind the word. Because the thing that, that's the thing that quickens the word and gives it life. Let's stand on our feet. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit wants to quicken that word in your life. Your job is to make sure you come with an open heart and a clear conscience to make sure, to make sure that the Holy Spirit's free to move, at least past my seat. I can't be responsible for what happens in the seat next to me or the pew behind me, but Lord, I, 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 search my heart. And I don't want to put anything in the way that would cause the Holy Spirit to stop right here. But I want him to flow back and forth and move among the people here. And Lord, make that word, put it in action behind me. Hey, listen, folks. I've showed you here how Satan gets in action when he finds an opportunity. As soon as he finds an open door, he's right. He's in action. He doesn't need to be prompted. He doesn't need to be invited. He's in action all the time. Your thoughts are subject to this all the time. Right? We live in a world, a fallen world, which has lots of filth and all kinds of images and all kinds of access because of your phones and everything else. He's always ready for action. Would you agree? He's always ready for action. And you parents need to understand and wake up to the fact that Satan's always ready for action on your kids' devices. He's always ready for action. But I will tell you this, you've got to be ready for the action of the Holy Spirit as well because He's equally as ready and able and even more powerful than He that's in the world by going into action on your behalf if you invite Him. He's a high priest and He's waiting for you to call upon Him and have Him come into your life and do the action of casting out wrong things and taking residence in that receptacle you give Him. You've got to present your body a living sacrifice. You've got to give your heart and your mind and, and every faculty of your being. You've got to give that to Him so that He can inhabit that and drive the unclean away. But let me tell you, Satan is right there to go into action. Give him an opportunity. Give him a toehold. He'll go right into action. You have people believing all kinds of things and people believing all kinds of wrong things about uh, themselves and people believing all kinds of wrong things about one another. You know what that is? That's Satan who's waiting to get into action, found, finds a little crevice and jumps right in. We need to have enough discernment. We as believers, we've been taught a long time that we need to discern the spirits and discern really what it is that's taking place here. Is this bringing us closer to God? Is this bringing us closer to one another? Is this bringing us to the right place? And if it's not, let's call it what it is. And move those things away. But I will tell you, don't go at spiritual warfare on your own. 
you need to make sure you're on the right side. You make sure you need to, you're filled with the right, right spirit before you go at it because Satan is in this for keeps. Satan is in this for the long haul. So, Lord, take your word and put it into action in me. That ought to be our prayer. That ought to be our prayer today. Lord, put it in action in my life and make it, make it work, make it click, make it live, make it, make it uh, you know, the, the, the thing it should be in our lives. Make it that way. You should be making every effort to be the church, and I, I thank you because you're, all, you're here today. And we should be making every effort to get our kids to Sunday school because there are good things being taught in Sunday school. We have excellent teachers, and we have good things that are going on. I'll tell you what, uh, even though none of us are perfect, I, I believe that we should give every, every opportunity we can to build character within our young people, starting from the youngest ages up. We should be doing, taking advantage of every opportunity we can to build character in the hearts of our young people. We should be examining ourselves in the light of the word and saying, Lord, if there's some way, uh, some shortcoming, something uh, that's there, Lord, show it to me and give me the courage and the strength and the faith to act on it because I know it's right. And we do it just because the word says so, right? We don't need to be convinced or, uh, you know, uh, paid to do it or anything else. Hey, listen, if it's in the word, we ought, we ought to be quick to do that. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, get behind the word and put it into action in my life demonstrate who I really am. Demonstrate who you really are through me. Because that's what God would have. And I'll tell you what, God will bless that person who yields himself that way. God will bless that person and, uh, uh, you know, fulfill those promises in our lives. God will do that because he loves you. And in the same way, I wouldn't want to see him miss it. God doesn't want to see any of us miss it. God wants us to make it. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Break every chain. Break every chain. Sing that again now. Oh, there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. Break every chain. Jesus. Do you believe that? There is power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. There's an army Yes, there's an army right. 
next verse, there's a power. There's a power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. All hail King Jesus. Leave the same key there. All, all hail King Jesus. All hail Emmanuel. He's King of Kings. time in the midst of an unusual space here, right before God turns to the Gentiles. Let me tell you, Satan's pulling out the stops. He's doing everything he possibly can to try to trip us, to try to use his tricks. He's full of tricks. He's a 
He's full of all kinds of devices. Just stay close to him, saints. That's all I'm saying. Just stay, stay mindful of him. That's all. Put your life in his hands. Do it every day and ask God to put a hedge around about you. That's what we need to do. I give myself away. Yes, I give myself away. So can you believe? Yes, I give myself away. So you can.
I saw love for sea and grace. Jesus, as we bow in your presence, Lord, today. Lord, in the dedication, Lord, of little William, Father, there's just something that speaks to our hearts, Lord, every time we, we see something dedicated to you, Lord, because it's a beautiful thing. It speaks of something, Lord, that is completed, but yet, Lord, it has all kinds of potentials to do great things. Just like, Lord, when they dedicated a temple in the Old Testament, Lord, it was completed in its building, but now it's capable of all kinds of things. Now you're able, Lord, to use it. And I I pray, dear God, that you would look upon us, O God, as we, in a very simple way, Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you. Lord, I pray that you would use us, Lord, for greater things. Use us, I pray. Lord, we're excited about what you have in store for us. Because we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, Lord, and the wiles of the enemy and how how he would come, Lord. But through you, through Christ, we can do all things who strengthens us. And Lord, may you may you teach us, Lord. May you sharpen our skills. Lord, may you help us to have discernment and walk in this world, Lord, as Wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would just move in every heart, every family, Lord. And I pray that we would always be able to be responsive to the Holy Spirit, receptive, Lord, to what you have to say. And Lord, open to whatever correction you would have in our lives. Lord, may that, may that occur in our hearts. Lord, may we, may we, on the other end, Lord, may we just build a clear fence between us and what Satan would like to deposit. Father, may we just be strong in resisting the enemy because we know he'll flee from us. And I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would strengthen our families, Lord, strengthen our church, I pray. Strengthen our resolve to walk with you and to do great things all over the world. Father, we love you and we thank you because you do care for us. You reach down deep and touch things, Lord, that really matter. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just minister, Lord, in a very personal way to each one that's gathered here today. Lord, there are sick. There are those that need your help and need your touch. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would draw close to them. Many, Lord, who listen. And, Father, may you reach out and touch their hearts as well. We want to say, Lord, that we are proud to serve you, proud to walk with you, Lord. We are... We want to be identified with this word. And I pray that you would move in our, in our hearts, Lord, in even a greater way. We commit people, every need into your hands. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. In Jesus' name we pray. I pledge allegiance to the 
with all my strength and with all I am, seek to honor His command. I pledge I pledge long ago Before a tyrant's throne their there for a minute. We're going to let you go this morning. If you want to stay and worship, you're welcome to do that. If you want to have prayer, you're always welcome to do that. I wanted to say welcome back to Anderson, uh, doing really well after his surgery and glad to have him uh, here today and uh, may God give him a complete recovery. Good to have all of you here today and may God bless you. It's been good to be in God's house. Let's sing this, uh, keep singing this song here and with this we'll let you go this morning and may God richly bless you. Now the years have come And the years have gone But the cause of Jesus Still goes on Now our time has come To count the cost To reject this world our lives for the one to give us life till the trumpet sounds on that final day let us proudly stand and boldly say I pledge allegiance to with all my strength and with all I am, His command. I believe to the 
Draw. 